The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran. Happy New Year. Welcome to a brand new year and a brand new beginning. This is the first show of 2017, and we are beginning with the perfect topic and the most wonderful person. And before I get into that, I want to let you know what's going on that's very, very new that I'm excited about. 1111 Magazine's new issue is out. It's absolutely incredible. Some beautiful voices are in this issue talking about a lot of wonderful things, and it is titled Wisdom Walkers. And so if you want to tap into Gordana Birnay, Andrew Harvey, Shakti Gwain, and so many others, I invite you to read 1111 Magazine, available at 1111mag.com. It is always there for free so that any and everybody can access this Life Enhancement magazine. What is new is it is now available on audio. And so if you are too busy, if you don't have a spiritual practice, if you are not finding the time to do all of the self-help, personal growth, and self-awareness work, then I invite you to access the new audio version. It will assist you in not only accessing powerful information, but also support you as a life coaching tool as I go into inquiries, questions, and different steps to help you go deeper as you work through your busy life. Right now, I want to let you know about the show that we're having today. I'm very excited to start off with the topic of igniting greatness. And that's a powerful topic for us to begin 2017 with because this is a year of new beginnings. It is a year that we can set a foundation for the next nine-year cycle and all the things that we want to create. How often in your life did someone tell you how fabulous you were? How incredible you were? Did they compliment you? Did they support you? Did they praise you? Did they celebrate you? How often do you do that for someone else? Or like most people, like a lot of the world looks today, do you see a lot of criticism, condemnation, and judgment? That seems to float around the air quite a bit, and perhaps that's part of the reason that we have as many problems in the world as we seem to have. What if we flipped the switch and did something different? Well, that's what we're going to talk today with Howard Glasser about. He is the executive director of the Children's Success Foundation and the creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach. He's dedicated to awakening the greatness in all children, and in particularly the world's intense and challenging children. And you know... We've all got little children inside, so it's not just the young ones. We could all use a little bit of this. We are going to be talking today about his book, Igniting Greatness, and it is about remembering who we really are through the nurtured heart approach. Welcome, Howard, to 1111. Hi. Good morning. Pleasure to be with you. It's great to be with you, and, you know, I I really loved the book because it's, it's about celebration. It's about recognizing all of the expansiveness in an individual as opposed to um, what so often we've been conditioned to do. I, I think about how, how so many times when we're rearing children, we, we often look at, um, don't do this, don't do that, you know, stop, be quiet, sit down, you know, don't make too much of a mess, don't make too much of a scene, or you shouldn't do that. And that's just the general child. That's not even talking about when we get into situations where there are, are children experiencing greater challenges or greater behaviors. Uh, talk a little bit about how you entered into this approach as opposed to the traditional approach of counseling children. You know, the, I think the greatest gift for me was um, that I dropped out of my 
um, doctoral work at the final stages uh, of my dissertation, and I decided to take a year to uh, live my childhood dream of uh, being a woodworker. Um, one year turned into 15, and, and the beauty of that was when I went back eventually, you know, too much sawdust at some point, um, when I went back to uh, my work, I, for the first time, worked with children, and, and I had fresh eyes. Um, you know, when you're a young student, you have, um, you've studied, you've invested in education, you've, you've, uh, you've uh, studied the masters, so to speak, the theories and practices that are out there that are considered to be the gold standards. And when I, um, when I launched working with families, people who were in distress because their kids weren't following directions, doing, you know, the kids were flying in their face. And I tried all these gold standards one by one by one by one. I didn't have to lie to myself. I, I didn't have to, um, I didn't have the same loyalty I did as a student where I, I covered my eyes and didn't allow myself to see um, what worked and what didn't work. And, and I really wanted to help these families. So one by one, these, these approaches fell by the wayside. And eventually it was just me and the family, and I had nothing other than, um, you know, my desire to help. And, and in those moments, I began seeing that there were things families said uh, intended to help kids, inspire kids. Sometimes they said something where the energy brought the child closer, and sometimes they said something that brought that pushed the child away. And nobody seemed to be aware of the nuances of the energy of words and interaction that that accomplished that. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with these images of this energy. It was almost as if I could see the energy, and I wanted to explain desperately to people what I was experiencing. And as I did, and as I I would wake up with metaphors in the middle of the night, I'd go into practice the next day and and, um, face things where people um, suddenly sensed the um, the truth, the relevance of of uh, you know sometimes when we say stop it, cut it out, quit it, um, we intend to set a limit, but we're actually um, we're actually having an unintended negative effect on kids. Or when we give them pep talks and say, "Come on, Billy, you could do it. You could do it. I know you could do it. Be respectful. I know you could be respectful." Billy's reading energy like Braille and going, "Well, apparently, I'm not being respectful." You know, the energy uh, precedes the, um, and it kind of relays the truth of what's going on. And kids read the truth. You know, there's, there's a level of truth that, uh, of reality at the level of energy. Um, and, and I started dialing that in and taking advantage of it. And I started, you know, I real I feel what I really, set out to accomplish was how do you honor kids at such a deep and abiding level, maybe a soul level, that they, um, they feel deeply honored and deeply celebrated in, in a way that's not incongruent energetically, where, you know, we say we love respect. You know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, respect is one of those biggies. And, and when do we talk to kids about respect? When does the subject come up? Typically when things are going wrong. Typically when they're not being respectful. So we, so, and, and when they are being respectful, you know, we may say a few kind words now and then, you know, but it's usually tamped down and, and minimal. And, and when they're disrespectful, you know, we say we're busy, but we're never too busy for, for problems. So when they're disrespectful, we not only show up, we show up richly. We have so much to say. And kids start putting two and two together that we actually, even though we say we love respect, we actually love disrespect. 
because the energy is the truth. And mm. once you arrive at that, then you could start solving the riddle. And if you really want to build respectfulness, then you you stop. Um, you know, there could be literally nothing going on, you know, where your two kids are, are, you know, sharing space but not even interacting, and you could stop and say, you know, it would be so not great if you guys were being disrespectful now. You know, I so the truth is you're being respectful. I want to honor you for that greatness. You're giving each other space. You're being thoughtful by doing that. You're being, um, you're showing... Um, uh, kindness by giving one another space. And I like how peaceful you're being. So we could bring up these, we could bring up these wonderful qualities and we could actually herald them as this is your greatness. This is you being great right now. You said something initially that to me modeled exactly what you're talking about beautifully that we as parents can do. And, and that was, you said you left your, your doctorate you began woodworking, which obviously was something that you loved, and then you went back, but not doing it the way you had been taught to do it. And we, mm-hmm. as parents, we are conditioned or taught to parent the way we have been watching our parents parent us. And so it's mm-hmm. almost as if, can we go be the child and engage in something that really fills us up and then go back and look at the situation, not from the way we were conditioned to do it, but now take on this new approach that you're talking about, which is the nurtured heart approach. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very steep climb for uh, everybody. You know, if, if you're an educator or a therapist, you've spent a lot of money on and invested a lot of time in your education. And what you're referring to is if you've grown up in a home or you've, uh, even if you've never read a journal article or, um, you know, a parenting magazine or a book on parenting, you still have imbibed uh, the Kool-Aid. You've, 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 uh, you've taken in the forms and process of how you were raised and what you were surrounded by. And, and it's a daunting task to uh, realize uh, to, to get out from under that, but it's really refreshing to realize you have a choice, and there's always a choice. There's never not a choice. My favorite line in your entire book is where you say that your belief is that we truly are our children's favorite toys. Uh, Talk about that, because yeah. I, I don't, it's such a simple statement, and it is such a profound statement. Because well, it, I don't yeah, know that parents ever have thought of themselves as the toy that children really, really, really want. You know, it was one of, Simran, it was one of the uh, metaphors that came to me in the middle of the night when I was desperately trying to make sense of what I was experiencing and convey that to parents. So, uh, you know, what I wound up saying um, was, you know, think of how kids are. When they get a new toy, they, they're not going to likely turn it down. You know, they get intrigued and uh, they start, you know, checking it out, discovery mode. And what they're likely to find is some features are relatively exciting and some features are relatively boring. And, and when they come across a boring feature... Um, they may go back by accident or they may go back on purpose, but they, once they get, you know, clear that that is truly a boring feature, they write it off and they stick to what's compelling and exciting for them. And, um, and then think of us, um, you know, uh, how many, you know, a toy might have, you know, five features of 5,000 features, how many features do we have? We, you know, it's endless. You know, we have not only the vast array of movements, um, but we have a vast array of, of moods and emotions, and it's not just happy, glad, sad. It's, it's your version today and tomorrow. Your frustration might be... Uh, you know, it, you know, it, it, very different. And, and as 
you know, we're, we're so nuanced and we, and, and I, here's how I'm going to say this is, is, um, imagine a, um, uh, a kid, you know, so we, so it's, it's an endless array and I think kids are just in discovery zone. They, they, they watch us keenly and carefully and they see how our features work and, you know, you know, show me uh, a kid who is is uh, you know has a little more neediness and a little more intensity, a little more sen- sensitivity, and 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 put them in a normal um, classroom or a normal home where the parent or the teacher is just trying to do the right thing, and and kids are watching and they're picking up. You know, the, the energetic impression. We'll be right back with Howard Glasser. America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Greatness is in our birthright and in our hardware. This surprises many people as they begin their journey of awakening their greatness. For years, Howard Glasser keenly watched this unfolding occur as people recognized that they signed up for greatness as a soul before even gaining the privilege and honor of being born into existence. In the Nurtured Heart Approach process, they may come to see how they brilliantly design a scenario of characters and circumstances constructed to challenge and test that greatness to the hilt. And although we design our destinies of greatness, challenges are part of that design. This is part of Howard Glasser's book, Igniting Greatness. He has founded the Children's Success Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization. It allows people, parents, givers, caregivers, as well as educators to learn many methods of helping to transform the lives of children. You can find out more at childrensuccessfoundation.com. That's childrensuccessfoundation.com. And you can also find out more about some of his other books and programs that he hosts. Welcome back, Howard. Um, Hi. As we were talking about um, about children and about how you know they they have time with us. In the end, what we all want, whether we're young or old, is to be seen, heard, or acknowledged. And and what you're saying is, right now, we we tend to see, hear, and acknowledge children when they are doing something that we don't like. When we want to correct them, when we want to set something straight, rather than taking the opportunity in the, the moments of calm and peace 
when when they are in behaviors that we want to actually amplify, we need to then put our focus there instead. How then do we operate when there are these situations that they're doing things that are the negative type behaviors? What is the balance between the two? Well, um, the balance for me is is that if we start honoring kids for the beauty we see in them, not just the physical beauty, uh, you know, the outer beauty, but the inner beauty, the qualities we cherish if we start pointing out to them, this is you making a good choice right now. Let me explain to you. Uh, If we start um, explaining those things we see and if we start um, even taking it to the level of saying that's a great quality I see in you, um, then we're building a game in, game on that's powerful. We're building a, a, a growing sense of awakening for kids to see who they really are as a, you know, not the good child or the bad child, but the great child. And, and when we, we, uh, if we, if we establish that, along with establishing that we're not going to accidentally fall in the trap of being that toy that energizes negativity. If if we refuse to give the gift of us to when things go wrong, then we're in a position to simply say, you know, when a child's arguing or child's fussing or whatever they're doing that crosses the line, we can just simply say reset, turn ourselves away for a second. Just, um, just, we still love them unconditionally, but we're just not available for the moment. And as soon, and what we really want is for them to stop arguing. As soon as the arguing stops for a second, and and when we turn away, that's likely to happen very quickly. Then stay in the truth of the moment. Turn back and then say, in honoring of the new truth, guess what? You stopped arguing, and uh, I appreciate that. I know you're still mad. I know you still sense you're not getting what you want, but now you're not arguing. That's very mature. That that um, that shows me your thoughtfulness. That shows me consideration, and those are great qualities I see in you. So the truth is we could have a consequence that's really a segue to building more greatness. And, and uh, I've now through my own work and through the work of uh, so many others who have trained with me, witnessed how some of the most severely behaviorally disturbed kids come around so quickly when they're treated uh, appreciatively and when they're not given energy for negativity. Um, and, And when we have a simple consequence that's not there to punish them, it, it doesn't believe in in drastic in the drasticness of it all winning a day. It believes that what's going to win the day is awakening kids to greatness. And what I'm hearing you say, though, is there's almost like a flipping of the switch. But that flipping of the switch is not just really the child. It means that the person facilitating, whether it's the parent or whether it's it's someone working with the child, really needs to rein themselves in and know that this is a moment for me to, to kind of move in a direction where I'm not feeding this behavior, I'm actually showing them. And then secondarily, I want you to talk about the reset word and the reset button. You talk a bit about that in your book, and it's a powerful mm-hmm. way to, to indicate to the individual um, where they've fallen into something without using a negative connotation. So talk a little bit about both of those flipping well, that switch. and. It, it's really a way of being uh, mindful, and um, it's it's a way of being present to the truth of the moment. So, um, you know, this kind of parenting involves being conscious of our our intentions. I think most uh, parents uh, intend to be highly loving, and and they, you know, um, if I explain all this well enough, they realize they don't want to unintentionally be loving for the wrong things. Um, so when they encounter, it, it entails being conscious of when problems aren't happening and taking advantage of that to make the most of it. 
to express appreciation. And when the problem happens, it takes consciousness to uh, see that, one, a line has been crossed, and two, at the same time, we may have our own uh, desire to either lecture or lash out or reprimand or, you know, whatever us parents do when we're, when we're offended, and uh, it involves resetting ourselves um, if we have that urge and just simply staying in the lighthearted truth of the moment of um, giving this kid an opportunity to reset. So I don't want to, um, you know, you know the expression, save your soul. I want to save my soul for the good stuff. I don't want to give my, I don't want to give the gift of me away for negativity. So I'm simply gonna just say the simplicity of reset. The child knows what they've done. There's no need for explanation. There's no need to sit down and say, well, what would you do better next time? You know, and uh, let's sit down because the child puts two and two together that they've, you know, if, if I sit there with a child post-incident and have a 12-minute dialogue about what they could have done better, they're in, in, in inputting that as I've gotten 12 minutes of mom for my disrespect. And when I'm respectful, I, I'm lucky if I get 12 seconds. Um, so we, we, it involves being very cognizant of I want to give the same lecture when the problems aren't happening. So, F, so the reset can be just a second or two. You know, if, if the child was rolling their eyes and I say reset, I turn away. Then I turn back the next two seconds later. The truth is the child's not rolling their eyes. So I'm going to be very cognizant then to take advantage of, of accomplishing what I really want to accomplish is to awaken this child to their greatness. And, you know, it's the same thing inside ourselves. It's the same. The reason I wrote Igniting Greatness was because I realized that even though I thought I was a positive person, when I realized when push comes to shove, um, and I realized it by way of a, a personal crisis, that really I spent so much time doing the same darn thing within myself, that I had the same battles going, that I was the same, I was the same kind of parent that I, I, I uh, to myself, where I gave so much airtime to negativity. And I, I, I did lip service to positivity within myself. And that became so vivid at a point in time. I decided I wanted to see if I could change my default setting to positivity. And, and I wanted to see how far I could go. And I wanted to not only be we, appreciative. Hmm? Isn't that the I'm truth? Sorry? We tend to fall into self-criticism and negative self-talk about ourselves so much easier. We'll keep ourselves in a story <sighs> line or we'll keep ourselves, you know, upset about something that a mistake that we think we made years and years ago <laughs> rather than taking the moments to truly be in gratitude or to truly celebrate even the smallest of things, much less the large ones. I mean, we don't even do that from time to time. So it's, it's, it's very much about like you said, being the parent to the self first, using this nurtured heart approach with ourselves as, as a, a, a fine-tuning method in, in terms of how we then use it on other people, on our children. I, I agree. Um, it, it's, it gets under our radar. I, I think uh, some of the finest people we know think nothing of when there's a problem having a long diatribe within themselves, or even if they're rehearsing something they're nervous about, they're going back and forth and back and forth, and typically the undercurrent of it is about negativity. When was the last time we spent an hour celebrating ourselves in gratitude for something uh, modest or something small or, or, you know, let alone the large victories, as you say, you know, but we think nothing is spending that kind of prime time. Uh, that intimate, what could be more intimate than a conversation with ourselves? And, and some of the most intimate conversations with ourselves uh, are in relation to um, issues and, and uh, concerns and, 
and worries and fears and doubts. Um, and, you know, I think that takes its toll. It undermines us. It causes our cancers. It, it, um, it debilitates us. Um, and uh, before we know it, it becomes just the way we are as opposed to what you're suggesting is, is having, is turning the tables on that, refusing. You know, how, how many people refuse to have those negativities fall in and they, they discover them quickly and they, they no longer, they give up on the belief that that's how things are worked out. You know, I've now gone years without uh, where where I, you know, I barely have those kinds of conversations, and I used to believe that was the only way I could work out a problem was to be deliberately go through it and through it and through it and through it. And, you know, I've survived really well these 15 years, better than ever, by um, taking that out of the equation and, and believing I can work things out by way of um, of energizing uh, every movement in the direction I really want, which is you know successfulness and appreciativeness. We we have to allow ourselves to let go of the past and allow ourselves to let go of the stories, because as long as we don't, the things that that our children are doing or the things that seem to even upset us that we want to criticize or judge tend to really be the projections of things that we felt we did in the past. You said something very important and it was you didn't know your own negativity and human beings by nature will tend to be very negative until they look at that and accept them about themselves. So how did you embrace first, the degree of negativity in order to release it? Because I found in my own life, unless you're willing to embrace it, it can't really disappear. Hmm. Well, um, Simran, it came to me in such a stark way. Um, um, this was, um, as I said, it was in relation to a, a crisis. Um, so um, I had a clinic, um, and uh, I cherished uh, not only my ability to work directly with families, but I had uh, quite a few people working with me, um, and, and I, I loved the work we did, and uh, we were informed that our funding came to a screeching halt uh, by way of somebody's mistake in, in a, you know, a, a, a governmental office. And it had nothing to do with us or the great work we did. And, and I was overwhelmed. And what I, you know, 10, 20 days into this, I had so many sleepless nights and I had so many of these conversations. And at, at some point, you know, I was in yet another sweat and yet another, you know, hour or two long interlude of inner negative conversation, worry, fear, and doubt, the, the real WMDs, as I'd like to say. And um, at some point, it was like a lightning strike, you know. Oh, my goodness, I'm not a positive person. I'm really high. I'm not only negative, but I'm highly negative. So it came to me like a freight train. It, it was just so evident. And, and uh, at the same time, I then there was a second lightning strike, which was, oh, that's my default setting. So it, you know, I don't know how people find their clarity or their stark truth, but it was a naked truth for me. You know, it is my default setting. When push comes to shove, I am highly negative. I, it was an unavoidable collision. And, um, and my third lightning strike was, oh, it's only a default setting. I had a young computer guy who came to my house, and he he was uh, helping me with these computer stuff things on my list. And he would he would mumble to himself as he was doing these you know maneuvers uh, and say, "Oh, I'm going to change this default setting. Your computer will work better this way, or it'll suit you better." He kept he kept referring to default settings. Me not being tech, I didn't know what he was completely doing, but. In that moment, 
there was the left lightning strike, which is, I'm going to change my default setting. And the only thing I believed in for the 10 years prior to that was this approach I developed for kids. And I decided in that moment, I'm going to use the same approach that I recommend to parents on myself. And I've never been so disciplined at anything. I'm not a disciplined person. But for some odd reason, at least the last 15 years, I've been highly disciplined about I'm not going to give energy to negativity. That's stand one. Stand two that I'm going to take with myself is I am going to be highly appreciative. I am going to uh, go out of my way to look for anything and everything that I can see the beauty of and appreciate, not just on a superficial level, but on an inner level, you know, the, the qualities. And, and, that, and, 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 when I, and when I start being negative, the third stand is I'm just going to reset myself and I'm going to go back to stands one and two. And... and a few, five years into being appreciative and seeing how far I could go on that route, I, I wanted to push the river. I wanted to see how far I could go. And I started going from just normal, I appreciate this and this and this, to here's the greatness I see in that. It's, well, it's let's just continue that at the day. next commercial break, at, at the end okay. of this commercial break. We are carving a path for future generations. In learning and living the work of greatness, we show others what is possible. We inspire others to awaken to the great mystery of life and light up the runway to more. More people dedicated to the lone path of trusting their unique dreams and living their unique purposes, perhaps despite all odds. And more people dancing to the source of energy, of inspiration, trusting their heart's desires as their guides. Those who risk this exploration are being cheered on and energized every step of the way by the benevolent universe, which cherishes and relishes the beauty and significance of all that unfolds as a result. This is from the book, Igniting Greatness, by Howard Glasser. It is about remembering who we really are through the Nurtured Heart Approach. The Nurtured Heart Approach is a relationship-focused methodology founded strategically in the three stands for helping children and adults build the inner wealth and use their intensity in successful ways. It's become a powerful way of awakening the inherent greatness in all children while facilitating parents and classroom success. You can find out more at childrensuccessfoundation.com. We'll be right back with Howard Glasser. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I invite you to take a look at my website. If you are needing to get away, needing to have a retreat, or needing to experience a level of presence that you've never had before, where you so completely feel loved and taken care of, then definitely take part in a balanced retreat or mystery experience. 
and you might discover how exactly important and great you are. The Nurtured Heart Approach is a set of principles and practices initially designed to guide difficult children into their intrinsic greatness. Since 1991, when the approach first came through psychotherapist Howard Glasser, it has been used by tens of thousands of caring adults to shift the trajectories of children who might otherwise have remained stuck in a no-man's land of oppositional and destructive behavior. You can find out more about the Nurtured Heart Approach at childrensuccessfoundation.com. That's childrensuccessfoundation.com. The book that we're discussing today, Igniting Greatness, is divided into three sections. Mind, which is theory, heart, which is about practice, and spirit, which is the beyond. These sections reflect a process of transformation that for most will go something like this. Developing a mind-centered grasp of the principle of upside-down energy and the ways we play it out in relationships with our universe, with ourselves and others. Second, learning to engage in a heart-centered practice where we apply diligent intention to shift long-held and deep patterning. And finally, expanding into a spiritual arc that takes the practice to new levels. There's always potential to go back through the mind, through the heart, and into the spirit, winding through these centers from many directions as the journey continues, spiraling into ever-expanding understanding and awakening. I invite you to get the book Igniting Greatness, first for yourself, and then to extend on to children. And with that, Howard, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. We see a lot of situations now where young people are becoming explosive in their anger, where we're seeing more ADHD, where we're seeing more uh, places where, where young people are seeming to lash out in anger or in violence. How can we as a community become the caregivers, the true caregivers of these sons and daughters that may not necessarily be our biological sons and daughters? What a great question. Uh, I, the first thought I had was uh, the growing number of schools that are looking for answers. Um, uh, the, you know, in, in relation to what I know through my work, um, you know, there are, there are many schools who come to realize that uh, the normal techniques haven't been serving them and they, they've been on a, a downward spiral and, and there are kids emerging all the time in our communities who are exactly what you said are, are winding up disenfranchised and angry. And so uh, the first part of the answer I would say is if you have any ability to influence your school, if, if you hear what we're saying today and it resonates with you, um, uh, there have been quite a few schools where um, uh, just community members have approached the um, administration and said there is a different way. And uh, there are now um, a growing number of individual schools and school systems, um, school districts that have taken up treating kids in this way. Um, whether you call it nurtured heart approach or not is not the issue. It's, it's, it's treating kids appreciatively, um, letting them know they're noticed for their good choices, for their thoughtful, uh, kind, respectful choices, uh, letting them feel um, explicitly appreciated for the responsibility they're showing in, in how they conduct themselves. Um, you know, we're all too willing to jump in with two feet when, when the problems happen, when the angriness uh, emerges. You know, we have to be able to hold that. I know your listener is a very present conscious people, being able to engage our consciousness to um, the level of awareness it takes to honor kids before the angry outbursts happen. Um, and, and let, you know, how, and I'll give you a, an interesting barometer. Um, how not great would it be if you, if your child this afternoon lashes out? 
um, how not great would it be if they didn't stop lashing out, if, they, if it escalated and, and it, it led to some violent, aggressive actions? So, so therefore, how great is it that they're not doing that in this moment? And what does it take to restrain oneself, even if a child's angry, if they're not lashing out, if they're not espousing anger? Can we tell them about the kindness they're showing by choosing to do that? They're always making a choice. We're so willing to give kids credit for the bad choices we're making. they're making. Why not give them credit for all the good choices they're making? So I think as community members, as parents, as professionals, coaches, mentors, uh, I think that's where I would start is... Um, if you remember one part of this approach, it's that appreciative part of it. Now, we have a lot of divorce that's happening, and it seems to be an increasing uh, part of part of our, our world. And in many mm-hmm. situations of divorce, there will be different parenting styles that are part of the issues that lead to that. And so in the cases where there's one parent that really understands this approach and starts to parent based on this approach, but another parent perhaps is not. What would you say uh, as to the parent that is using this approach? Does it still serve? Is there a way to to help understand? Because really, wounded parents create wounded children, and we create a legacy of that in our world. And so at cer- a certain point, there has to be... Um, a shift. There's a place where the worm has to turn, and is that the place? Is it is one parent enough? Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to maybe give you a surprising answer. I've watched this issue carefully. It's so often the case, um, and I would say to those parents, stay the course. That you're having so much more impact than you think. Even if you think the child is drawn to the other side and to the other style of parenting. Um, so uh, the advice I would give is, one, is t- if you're concerned, take the use of the approach to a next level. There's always ways to notch it up. Uh, and in fact, I have a new book called Transforming the Intense Child Workbook, and it has a whole section on taking it to next levels. How do you, how do you get ever more appreciative? How do you get ever more clear about not giving energy to negativity? And the second piece of advice I give is, is you could do the same thing with your, um, uh, with your ex-partner, uh, even though it may pain you at times to be in that kindness um, and even though you may be pained by things that the ex might be saying or doing, um, uh, the second thing I would do is look for moments when the problems aren't happening and honor that person and give them credit. They're much more likely to find their way to kindness with your child if, if you take that course. And the third thing you might do, but I'd be careful how you do this, is you could, rec- you could say, you know, I've, I've struggled. You could be honest and say in the past I had my str- shared struggles with our child too, and I found my way to this way of, um, of um, parenting differently, and if you're interested, I'll, I'm happy to tell you about it. Um, but I, I would look for ways to have those same three stands. I'm not going to give myself the negativity. I am going to be appreciative at every opportunity. And I would do that with the estranged, um, partner too, as much as possible. That's wonderful advice, Howard. Um, I, I know that on your website, you have trainings, you have ways that people can uh, support schools or take online courses or, or even become certified. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, if, if someone's interested in becoming a trainer or attending something where they can really learn and immerse themselves in this nurtured heart approach to bring it back to their family and their community, what, what's involved? Where do they, what do they have to do? Um, what would you suggest is the place to start? Well, thanks for asking. Um, I think it's a process. I think uh, the first step is to have a, a, a personal experience, whether it's 
in your home, your classroom, your your practice. Um, if, if you read, uh, if you if you take bits of what you heard today out into your world, and you see it has its promise, uh, then I would say next step is to read, you know, one of the books on on the subject. Um, and uh, at childrenssuccessfoundation.com, there, like you said, there is an online course uh, you could take, and there's a free e-course to learn a little more about the approach. And as you waltz this out into your life, if you see a growing excitement of how you've been able to impact uh, a child or the children in your world, um, you know, for some people, it becomes, uh, it has a life of its own. And I think it's for those people who get, who find in their heart that, like, oh, my goodness, this is something I'm supposed to do. Those are the people I would recommend taking a look at. Um, the possibility of becoming certified, because that allows you to go out to teach this approach. So it kind of, it's a week of transporting you to the inner realm of this, of, of kind of being the approach, and then uh, giving you the tools you need to take it out into the world and teach other people, which is very gratifying. The Children's Success Foundation fosters the work of the Nurtured Heart Approach by conducting training programs to support parents in building inner wealth in their children. Educators formally implement the approach in school systems and help therapeutic professionals meet the unique mental health needs of intense children. In the last 20 years, the Nurtured Heart Approach has been adopted in realms of parenting and education around the world and has found its way into thousands of classrooms, as well as a myriad of other high-needs child advocacy services, such as special education, foster care, and juvenile justice systems. Their vision is to provide the training, resources, and support necessary to enable parents, educators, and treatment professionals to transform the challenges of working with these intense children into creative, collaborative relationships in homes, schools, and communities across the globe. You can find out more at childrensuccessfoundation.com. Igniting Greatness is not a traditional self-help guide. Instead of giving step-by-step instructions for improving ourselves, Howard Glasser provides us with the understanding that we each already possess the qualities of greatness needed to be our best selves. Through teaching of the Nurtured Heart Approach and through sharing his stories and personal experiences, we're given the tools for discovering and cultivating our own unique greatness. It's time to find your greatness. Wounded parents create wounded children. It's time to create a world where no one is any longer wounded. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.